rather impromptu um, Run Chat Live episode, which I didn't want to do initially. I thought about it, but I'm worried that people, I mean, I'm cynical and we'll talk about cynicism later on because I think it's made us all react a little bit slowly to what's going on lately. But um, I've been looking at other posts with people talking about coronavirus and thinking, oh, you're just using it to kind of drum up your own social media and stuff. But that's just the cynic in me. But after some of the stuff I've been looking at today, on social media, there's, it still seems there's a lot of people out there who, in my opinion, and the opinion of trusted people I follow, aren't really getting the message through. So I thought, um, yeah, call it old-fashioned, but I thought social responsibility meant that I should kind of bring a few other people up here today and just have a little chat and hopefully get people to come in. Hopefully we'll get some people who I've seen on social media talking about how oh, this is all just another scaremonger, it's the media, it's something which will blow over, we'll be looking back in it six months thinking, was that it? And I get that and we'll talk about it, but I hope we do get some people who say that in here. Um, it's not going to be an argument, it'll be a discussion, it's communication and hopefully education. But obviously I couldn't do that by myself because why should you listen to me? So um, uh, happily giving up their own free time today, we've got Mike James and Adam Meekins who have both put out some great material, in my opinion, on there about the subject matter. So we're going to um, have a little chat with the two of them. But like I say, if you've got any comments or questions, do or if you come and see us and tell your friends to come along, this is all about just communication, isn't it? So tell people we're live. Um, already I'm going to say hello to Daniel Gerber. Thanks for coming here, mate. It was great listening to you earlier on. Obviously, I understood that you were having a joke about the beard. It's just I was getting a bit online, getting a bit irritated. I was getting a bit Meekins, which is great because we got him today. So we'll be able to bring um, the Fury up in person. Um, Anne-Marie Williams, hi, thanks very much for tuning in, good to see you here. Spread the word if people are around, I mean, if I knew this was going on now, I'd want to come up and listen to the people I've got coming up, so do it. Anyway, let's bring these people up, um, so first of all, I'll bring up first, let's bring up the prettiest one first. <laughs> What's going to happen there? Here he is. Hey, Adam, ah, how you doing? he chose me. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like behind this window like is. <laughs> Mike's going to be chewing now. <laughs> but you know that makes sense, yeah. Not only a, a high intellect, mate, but very good looking as well, of course. It was a beard thing as well, you know. I've never really forgotten giving Mike for shaving it all off because that's all I ever hear from my wife now. It's, oh, he looks so much better with his beard off. And it's like, yeah, I get that I mean, as well, mate. I get that as well. And I might actually have to with this coronavirus thing. So, Well, that's something given... I want to talk about later on. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah, one. I'll bring I, that up. I might actually be forced to, which is going to kill me. But it won't, but it'll be, an, it'll be a fucking... I'm going to debate that with you. I'll debate it and see what you've read or heard and what I've read or heard, and we'll see. For the okay. sake of buying beer company, I might have to try and save that beard. But anyway, let's bring up Mike. Go on then, Mike. He's in Wales, so don't expect much, but we'll try and bring him up here now. In the valleys. There he is. Look at him clean shaven. I, 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 I absolutely knew he was coming in first, just based on beard. <laughs> Well, you, you made that choice, mate. It's not just the beard. It's not just the beard. It's the, it's the whole fucking thing, mate. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. I should put a warning out here um, in advance why it's a bit late now, but there will be swearing in this episode. And you know what? I'll they're try probably... to play it. No, but there probably should be because this is fucking serious. Um, so that's the first time I've ever sworn on one chat live. But if you're ever going to swear, then now's probably the time to do it. Um, so anyway, no, thank you to both gentlemen for joining us. 
Um, just saying hello to guests in the house as well. So Terry, thanks for coming along as well. Terry, feel free to set any comments up. I know you've got relatives who um, are compromised and, and sort of people who were with, that's what we're doing this all for. Um, Elena Benson, thanks for tuning in as well. Guys, thanks for joining us. Do feel free to put any comments or any questions. I can't guarantee any of us. Well, I can guarantee none of us are experts, but I can also guarantee particularly two of us have um, looked at the literature and studied it well. I'm talking about Adam and Mike here and, and, and their physios, and they've got a good brain for checking out the, the kind of myth from the actual evidence as far as we got it. So do ask questions. Hopefully we can help anyone who's out there. And tell us if we're wrong as well. Hey, maybe we're going to jump down some wrong avenues. But anyway, so here we are. Um, I don't know what day it is. To make it dramatic, we should say day mm -mm -mm of coronavirus. But things have definitely changed over the last week, haven't they? Who wants to start? How have you changed? How did you start, Adam, when you first heard about all this goings on? Yeah, well, I think like most people, you know, I think there was that little element of you said, you know, scepticism of like, oh, this is nothing to be majorly concerned about. It is just something that's going to blow over. And, and I'll be honest, I started off probably three or four weeks ago seeing the initial uh, news coming through and the reports coming through. And I was very much a little bit uh, slow on the uptake. I think I, I didn't sort of recognize the the situation that's going to be occurring over the next coming couple of weeks, couple of months, as quick as I probably should have. So I'm sort of beating myself up a little bit about that. But uh, I still think I'm a little bit ahead of the curve of most people. Um, so I think really probably about two weeks ago when I started seeing some smart, intelligent people posting some stuff that was, you know, quite concerning. And they are not ones for dramatization. They're not ones for being, you know, scaremongers or fear avoiders or anything along those lines. But when they start talking the way they were talking, when they start, you know, putting out some posts there that start saying that we've got to take this stuff seriously, that made me pay attention. That made me look a little bit further into uh, the situation, uh, trying to sort of the trouble with this stuff, you know, there's so much information. It's trying to pick out the good sources of information. And once you start looking into it a little bit further, you realize that this is going to cause a shitstorm. Um, uh, but again, I think the key thing I just want to say before I go any further is please, people don't panic. I think that is the biggest key thing we've got to try and get across because with panic becomes irrational behavior with irrational behavior becomes fear with fear. There becomes serious problems. So blessedly and thankfully, you know, this coronavirus for the vast majority of people is going to be a mild inconvenience to their lives. It's not going to cause major health problems, but it's the knock on effect that it's going to have to a small percentage of the population that we have just got to start acting a little bit more socially responsible to help our healthcare services, to help all of our services, really. And to just start paying attention for those less fortunate than us that are, you know, older with other health issues. But also, again, you know, just looking at the society, you know, if you were to have as a young, healthy, fit person, a major, God you know, forbid, traumatic accident, if our services are snowed under, which they could be, it's going to possibly have a knock on effect to you as well. So, again, I just want to reiterate, please, people don't panic. All right. Thankfully, the coronavirus is not serious or sinister in the way that, you know, most people are going to have serious problems. But we've just got to start to recognize this is a highly infectious, contagious virus that is easily transmissible. I mean, it's probably one of the, the quickest spreading, easiest spreading viruses that we have faced in a lifetime, in a generation. And we have just got to recognize that we've got to try and slow that down. We're all going to get it sooner or later. It is going to affect the whole globe. But we just don't want it to all come together at the same time, because that is just where it's going to cause pandemonium. 
So if we can all just act a little bit more socially responsible, uh, and this is where I think a couple of weeks ago, it sort of snapped for me, it triggered for me, and I thought, shit, okay, I've got to stop being so selfish and thinking, okay, it's not going to bother me, but what about my 75-year-old mum? What about my family members who are not as fortunate or healthy as I am? What about the patients I'm coming into contact with who are immunocompromised, who have got other health issues? I've got to start taking responsibility, not just for me, but for them as well. So that that is my sort of current situation at the moment. I'm trying to get out there and just say to people, for the love of God, all right, don't worry about yourself. Just think about other people. That's that's a great message. And I did admire on your on your videos you've done it's like it's tricky isn't it because you say to people don't panic but for a lot of people that's a code word for don't do anything it's like we need another word for not panic but still wise up to the fact this is really serious and you've got to do you've got to change your you know the way you handle yourself and how you are in public now but i can't think of another word which is strong enough close enough to panic but without making people panic mike nice. can you come up with one is there one in welsh that we should be using I'll have a think about that. There's probably some Welsh words that we should and shouldn't be using, but we'll find some. What's a hundred in Welsh? Uh, I don't know. Oh, you know, you're a true Welsh man. Yeah. What's the I don't think I've ever counted a hundred in Welsh. <laughs> Mike, how about you? Because, I mean, that's the thing. We're all, I think the, one of the many things that connects us is we are naturally cynical, which is why we have the position we have today in like the healthcare system and why we kind of fight the battle we do. And... It's not a bad thing. I don't think, Adam, you should beat yourself up. It's, if anything, if you didn't dismiss this news in the early days as rubbish, then it's, it means you're not really clued up to the fact that a lot of the stuff that comes out there is rubbish. It's natural. I, I respect people. I understand people more who did kind of go, oh, here we go again, Teddy Mel's off. It's totally natural. But, Mike, was it a similar situation for you? Were you kind of, oh, what's going on today? Oh. Yeah, it was, it's almost exactly to Adam when it was over in China and the Far East and then it was something on the news, the same as so many things are in the world of over over regular basis then it landed in europe and then my ears got pricked significantly when discussion around marathon de Saab was was and postponement or cancellation of that peaked its head about a month ago which i've talked about lots on social media then that prompted me in exactly the same way as adam and many others to just start reading more and as adam alluded to the real marker for me is when people who only post considered opinions that are balanced and rational when those type of people that you follow start making waves that you go hang on i need to read more now uh, and then last week for me i worked from home last week because i've had a, a little bit of a chest infection going on and it just gave me time to just read and absorb and listen and watch and, and weigh everything up and the big quote for me the game changer for me was uh, Professor Graham Medley, I think his name is, he's a professor of infectious disease um, modelling. And he, he hit me with a really hard statement of, rather than acting like this is something you don't want to catch, what you should be doing is acting like you've got it and don't want to spread it. And it was that message of that social responsibility. The buzzwords started flying around as far as social distancing, social responsibility. And that's when I started changing. I've got elderly parents who would be really susceptible and really vulnerable. And I also live in a town that's got a real high population of elderly. And just from about the middle of last week, just walking down the high street, you suddenly go, I need to take a bit of a wide berth here around some of these people. Not because I'm panicking or hysterical or, or thinking about anything, but A, as a person, as a human, and B, as a healthcare professional, 
I'm not just responsible for the people in front of me in my clinic or my plinth. I'm responsible for whoever I can help in whatever form. And therefore, I just need to change the way I am and also change the message that I'm, I'm putting out. Um, so that's when it all sort of mid, mid last week was when things just got really real for me. But it's been escalating probably for, for the best part of the last month. How about in terms of, I mean, I asked you earlier on, Mike, but I think today was quite significant in what side of the fence maybe you sit on. But Park Run, I've seen some various conversations online about people sticking up for it, saying there's no reason to close it, that it's overreacting, it's catastrophizing. And then other people are going, well, hold on. What more meeting of people getting sweaty and running in close proximity is there than Park Run? And it's free, so you're not going to lose any money if you don't put it on. But Adam, have you got any views on Park Runs that happened today? Or uh, yeah, I think that the much that the more chances we are of having contact with people, the 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 higher the risk of the spread in the transmission. So again, it's about you know weighing up the probability. So something like Park Run isn't the most likely. Uh, place where you're going to get transmission if you're sensible and you're not hugging everybody, giving high fives, wiping sweat from your eyes, sharing fucking sweat bands with people left, right, and centre. You know, if you're just sensible, then you're probably going to say reduce the risk of transmission. I mean, the good thing about coronavirus is it's not airborne in the sense as long as you avoid someone directly coughing or sneezing over you, you aren't going to get it from just touching people it's not like ebola which can go through the skin just by touching so that's mercifully the good news it has to enter into your system via your mouth up your nose or through your eyes so you know you're just trying to reduce the chances of that happening the other thing to consider though is that it can live on surfaces for up to i've read about nine days um, now it has to normally be suspended in a micro water droplet or something to survive uh, but it, it's going to survive on surfaces for long periods of time. So somebody may have transmitted it to something and you think this is, uh, you know, a nice, clean, safe environment, nobody around. But that person's passed through this area a few days ago, left the virus there for you now to pick up, transmit or infect yourself. So, again, something like a park run. I would say I don't think because it's not necessary. I think that's the key point at the moment. It's not necessary social contact. You can still go for a run. But just do it on your own don't do it in a group so you know for me i've i've this thing's you know it's hard for me because i have made a choice as of last week to socially isolate myself from the gymnasium now a gymnasium that's a much higher risky environment than a park run for transmission of this so you're in obviously a closed environment there's going to be more people in a higher density or in a lower density area you know there's a lot more surfaces where it's easily transmittable so I think gymnasiums are a definite no-no for the moment. I would say they need to be tried to say socially uh, be distanced from. Uh, when it comes to park runs, I would probably say I would. I personally, I wouldn't go to a park run now for the next six to eight, eight weeks because I'm just want to try and. I, it's not because I'm scared of getting it myself. The only reason I wouldn't do it is because I just don't want to unnecessarily transmit it to others who are going to be at higher risk. Yeah, Mike, you sit in. On the same side or what do you yeah, think exactly the same side um that that keyword is it essential you know can can you like it, it it would be a tougher decision when we start talking about like the spaniards right now about they're not going to be able to go out and go for a bike ride or go for a run or go for a walk on the beach that's a fundamentally different situation there are other options people could be doing um funnily enough i think that 
Parkrun UK is probably going to end up succumbing because the volunteers who help run the races and marshal the races are probably going to be the ones socially responsible enough to go, I don't need to be there doing that. If those people then want to carry on and go and, and run, fine. But as Adam said, you know, every park run, you get a ticket and you get a tag and you hand it in when you finish. And there's there's communal areas and car parks where people meet. Those those are the risks. And, and us just saying, be sensible and don't go to those if you don't have to. That's not us saying we don't understand and appreciate that people do certain forms of exercise and activities for their mental well-being and their psychological health and their social health. You can still do that, but just be be cautious of where and when you're doing it when we don't have to do it that's the key thing um and that's when we're talking about exercise and parkrun but many of my friends were on social media last night celebrating the fact they were in pubs and having drinks in big large crowds well you can sit at home and have a drink you don't need to go and and, and make jokes that you're having a purge before quarantine kicks in and, and sport or whatever social situation is the same it's just being sensible enough to think have i got something could i pass it on or could i get something and pass it on to someone else Eff effectively for for most of the people listening and watching to us here and as adam said earlier most of the population the fear is of us just being a conduit for those people who are more vulnerable and then they're not going to affect and consequences of the wider healthcare system. So if you don't have to do it, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough here that I've got so many options of where I can run. So if I don't run through my town centre and go down a country lane or get my shoes a bit muddier than I want to one Sunday, that's not the end of the world to me, but it's being socially responsible to those around me who perhaps need people like us to make a bit more of a sensible choice. Interesting. I mean, personally, I don't know, I've listened to you both, but personally, I don't think I've changed my opinion. I think that Park Run as an organisation should have just globally cancelled all their runs, you know, personally, because I just think, like you said, it's not necessary. There's going to be occasions where people can lose money and there's, but it's just go out for a run by yourself, people. Maybe that's what you need more than actually relying on others to run. Just try it. You know, it's, we don't need to, there's less chance of getting it from part one because like Adam said there's not the services but it's just yeah. sending the wrong message out though I think I mean it's just if anyone's imagine how much of an impact that could have had on people to make them think geez part one's cancelled maybe I should actually think about what's going on here whereas if uh, you let uh, it go ahead it's just a bit I don't know I, uh, again I think I can sort of emphasize and sort of empathize i think a little bit with companies at this situation and and place and you know not that park runner a company either they're a non-profit organization but you know these these people are still trying to you know function as normal put business on as normal and and again we've got to try and find that balance of reducing the spread of this virus but still not causing so much disruption it does have a knock-on consequence to other areas you know our, our financial and and social sort of uh aspects of life so we've got to try and find that balance and, and again i think it, it, it's hard you know i I travel to do my courses and, you know, and I earn money from that and I'm having to take a hit because I have made the responsible decision to not travel. But that was a hard decision for me to make. You know, I, I can very much emphasize with businesses and companies to think, shit, am I, am I actually going to be doing the socially responsible thing and saying I'm going to close, I'm going to shut down, I'm going to reduce or whatever and take a hit and lose money and income that could have a knock on effect for, you know, sometimes years down the line. Or do I just try and plow through and try and see if I can continue on for as long as possible until I'm told to stop? So, again, I just, I can empathize, or not empathize, I can't fucking get my teeth in, what's the word? 
<laughs> emphasize and empathize. That's what I'm getting stuck with. <laughs> emphasize and empathize. I can empathize, okay, with these companies and people that are, I say, probably going to have a rough couple of months because of the financial implications of this. Uh, and again, you know, this, this, you know, listening to what the government are trying to do. I again, I've still got some. I don't know. I'm not quite 100 percent certain as to whether this sort of herd immunization is a good idea, because, you know, when you look at other countries, they have shut down a lot sooner, a lot quicker than the UK. And it's that our, our uh, health advisors to the government are trying to think of a different strategy. And it does sound kind of smart when you think about what they're trying to do. They are trying to see if this first wave of basically getting as many people infected with a corona that then does fill up all our services to its maximum point and then isolate and then try and turn the tap off of people coming in but it's this timing situation that they've got to try and do quite well so they're trying to see if you know if we can get as many people infected with it in the first stage then socially isolate and shut everything down slow the outcome down and then hopefully phase in the sort of the return back to activity but a couple of other sort of studies that i've been reading says that probably isn't going to work as well you know, that, that we can't stop it, all right? It is going to affect everything, but this sort of letting it carry on and affecting as many people could backfire hugely. But the reason as well is the, you know, the uh, building up uh, um, immunity to it. And again, I've only heard one source of this, and I don't know how reliable this is, but the reinfection rate of getting it a second time round, I think there was one case where somebody got it within four weeks, again, a second time round. So it could be that our immunization, our natural antibodies that we get are very short lasting to coronavirus. So if we think that we try to get as much people immune for it, which then is going to help the system later on down the line, it might not, because people could be getting a second bout of it four weeks later down the line, possibly. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I've read a couple of um, articles on that. This idea that better everyone to get it, the stronger people get it, become immune to it, and then they can go out to society and not going to come to other people. But like you say, there's not so much proof that people are going to suddenly become resilient to it and be able to walk free. And that just for me, just it, ethically and morally, just doesn't sound responsible. It's like it's almost, you know, it's been ageist. It's been okay. Fuck the weak, okay. The strong will survive. Let's just get it through as quickly as we can. And again, that comes across as very cold and discompassionate. I think as well for the government to be doing this. I can understand why they're trying to do it because of the strategy they're applying. But I think it could have been perhaps explained in a slightly more warmer, caring way. I think, you know, a lot of our elderly population, those at risk, are terrified of this, you mm -hmm. know, and, and when they hear things like this, OK, just carry on as normal, get it, get infected with it. You know, I'm just like, is that the message we really want to be spreading to these people that are scared and terrified? Let's talk. We've got a comment here from Katie. Thanks, Katie, for leaving a comment. It's about the self-isolation time and duration. So Katie said, I agree to an extent, but it is potentially the length of time we may have to isolate. Relatively easy for two to three weeks, but likely to be a lot longer, and then human nature will take over. Where are we at the moment with terms of isolation? I mean, I've got a cough and a cold. It's kind of being kept down now because I'm dosed up on whatever I could get my hands on the medicine cabinet. But I've given myself a week of not going to work, of not going out of the house, I'm minimising contact with family, using different towels, et cetera, et cetera. But is a weaker based on any studies or evidence or is it just kind of pick a week because it's an easy seven day? What have we got in terms of evidence for isolation time? Either of you. Uh, I think that's where 
some of the uh, backlashes coming towards the government is a lot of um, scientific people now seeking transparency on where they've what they've the data that they've used to come up with some of these predictions and these figures because of that very reason is is, is seven days enough is it going to be more should it be less um you know that the stuff that you see it's based on modeling about the information we've received from other countries previously um and the transparency is the thing. There's a fantastic speech flying around from the Singaporean PM. I think he's the Singaporean PM. And the trust between the, the population and the government based on transparency from day one to now has just fostered this relationship. And obviously, they're a much smaller country and they have different dynamics to us. But it's allowed them to potentially have um, a better understanding and teamwork attitude to it. So, so we'll see where that goes. But um, yeah, I agree with Katie's point. You know, without trying to make light of it, we know we know how bloody hard it is to get people to do exercises for a couple of weeks. If we're going to get yeah. them to try to try and stay in their house for up to up to a few months, saying it's life or death may not be enough for a lot of these people. I was telling Matt off air that um, my dad's just come out of a, my dad is super vulnerable for this, and he's just come out of a, a six week period of of a, an episode of acute back pain he's he's literally in about the last month been mobile and independent again and last night he was literally effing and blinding it on the phone to me at the thought of up to four months isolation you know uh, almost uh, i don't think he can actually see the the potential of what could go on here um but but that's the vulnerable to think the people that were asking to um be vigilant and, and diligent with it then you I, I only had to go for a drive in the car yesterday to see how many people were just cracking on regardless with with teams of people together doing stuff shopping through the ice street and you know it's it, we'll see we don't know is the answer to this stuff we we um yeah. i think we we just hope I, I don't think any of us or anyone who's putting their head above the parapet talking about it has ever wanted to be proved wrong more um, I, I absolutely am desperate for everyone to go, oh, you completely overreacted on that. Despite yeah. not, me, not, me not feeling like I'm overreacting, it's me feeling I'm being diligent about it, then please do turn around and go, well, that was a storm in a teacup and you guys got that completely wrong. Cool. Thanks very much. I'm glad I'm wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What's to lose of a bit of overreaction yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. you know, compared to the opposite, you know? So, yeah, I'm getting that a lot as well. I'm getting a lot of people saying, you know, but again, I don't blame people for going out and about because the government advice is to carry on as normal. So at the moment, they are just doing what they're being advised by our dumb fuck leaders, personally, as I see it. I'm, I think, again, it, it, I'm not blaming the individuals. I'm blaming the leaders who should be, I think, at this stage, changing the message. They should be getting people to be a bit more socially responsible. Uh, and so I think, you know, if we're ahead of the gun or there's more people ahead of the gun before the government tells people to isolate, I don't think that's a bad thing. Call me a drama queen, call me scaremongering, call me whatever you like. I don't give a fuck, you know, at the end of the day, looking at what's going on in the other places in the rest of the world, it just seems a sensible, logical solution to slowing the spread down. And, and, it, and I think if, if people do a step up approach to it, then two things happen. The methods when they come in, A, aren't such a shock and B, aren't so draconian or difficult to relate to because people have started to make changes along the way. Yeah, I think, what you know, about, it's like crazy. Um, what about messages for, because I'm just conscious of the time, but like I've been following a lot of threads with clinicians asking, should I be going in, massage therapists, physiotherapists, osteopaths, and again, a lot of discussion and backwards and forwards, but what 
have you two got any pieces of advice for whether people should even be opening up or if they are opening up what precautions they should be taking and is there a difference between professions is there a difference if you're a massage therapist and you're going to be kind of obviously coming to contact with client skin and stuff of course there is. Uh, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's about, you know, the role that you're working in, the type of interventions you do. So for me, I'm quite lucky I don't do any hands-on treatment I haven't done for years. So I'm in a role, I'm in a triage role in the NHS. So we have now, from as of uh, last week, we have gone to 95% either telephone or Skype appointments where we're consulting via distance. So patients are loving it. Again, we thought there would be a bit of a kickback and a blowback, but actually because of the stuff on the news, the vast majority of patients are actually seeing it as a positive, proactive thing that we're doing. And they're very happy that they don't have to go out and go into a hospital, which is obviously a very highly communicable area that they could be getting cross-infection. So I think if we can probably, you know, if you work in that environment where you can do your consults online or via by telephone do that as much as you can do we're seeing probably about five percent for urgent orthopedic follow-ups you know for acute traumas that need to be reviewed x-rayed or something along those lines because they could have se severe negative consequences on down the line if we don't but if we do have to touch people we are the vices is that we've increased obviously our hand hygiene routine so again it's just being sensible if you're working as a therapist and you touch someone make sure you just increase your hand hygiene hygiene regime something as simple as just washing your hands before after every contact with somebody or a surface as well because let's remember it can touch onto surfaces you know if you're going to a service like a desk just keep riding down your desk with an alcohol scrub or a wipe okay just keep that clean on a regular basis just in case a droplet lands on it but keep avoiding touching your face if you're in an area where you're touching people and just keep washing your hands clean 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 that's that's the advice i'll give so you're not, I mean, you proudly said you don't do much kind of manual therapy at all, but you're still trying, and he's got the t-shirt and the record out and in the charts, but like um, that, um, but you're still trying to minimise contact time with patients anyway, and when yeah, you can so do it. Absolutely. So it's just face to face time and social contact with people as well also wants to be minimized, not just touch. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know I'm not manual therapy. I still palpate patients. I still touch them, you know, when I'm doing mm -hmm. an examination and stuff along those lines. Uh, but, you know, it's very much now if you're going to do that, do it minimum and only if necessary. If it's an urgent consequence that you have to examine an area, I would say it's the only reason to touch a patient there. And I guess looking out for the hygiene of patients coming to see you, one of the things I've read which makes sense is you can do everything you want inside your clinic, but if you're not warning the patients to actually wash their hands and take everything, take all the precautions possible before visiting your clinic, then it makes no sense, does it? You've got to kind of educate them as well before they even come and see you. Mike, what are you doing? Are you, you've been off for a week because of your chest infection and stuff. Are you planning on going back and doing face-to-face? So I'm fortunate enough that face-to-face uh, -face is a small percentage of my work as well. Personally, I've cancelled courses and speaking engagements for the foreseeable future. I've always been lucky that um, I work with a lot of athletes who go to training camps, travel overseas, live overseas. So I've always used telehealth and, and Skype and those sort of things anyway. So what I've done in the last week and now for the next 10 days, and I'll continue beyond that, is everything I'm doing is via Skype. Um, follow-ups are fine you can do a really good follow-up with it initials are a little bit harder you can see people do, and of course I work with it with a population that are fit healthy and well so there's there's certain things that make my ability to operate on on uh, video calls a lot easier than perhaps others um, but that's how I'm practicing I'm not seeing anyone at all even the local athletes to me that I would see in a clinic I'm not seeing at all um, the other side of obviously my working life is sports injury fix where 
now that is at the forefront of our concerns. We've got hundreds of members who um, are all different types of professions, including a lot of soft tissue therapists and manual therapists, and their concerns are fundamentally different. If people, you know, the three of us in some capacity have options to operate beyond the scope of people coming physically into clinic. Um, but there are things that these guys from a business point of view have to consider outside those practical um, steps from a day-to-day -day basis. So, yeah, I think there's unknowns on that side as well. We've certainly tried to help them as much as we can to instigate online services, instigate telehealth services, um, and offer them business advice to how to manage their their businesses. And of course, the, whether they're a sports injury fix member or not, they're more than welcome to get in touch with us for us to give them that advice for free. We're, we're not we're not here to do anything other than try and help people get through this. Um, but I think everything Adam said from a practical application of people coming in is is all you can do. My wife's a dentist. She's got her own practice and they're doing exactly the same things. Um, limiting who's coming in, priority of almost triaging who, who comes in and who needs what. I know they've had to put a contingency plan in place and potentially um, in the near distant future we'll end up going to emergency treatments only. And ultimately we'll probably have to close the doors when this thing's at its peak. So we'll see. And massage therapists who basically can't do, it's very difficult to do kind of like online massage. Although you could probably relax some muscles with your mouth just as well as your hands, but that's another story. But I mean, should massage, can massage therapists, let's imagine you've got a financially stable massage therapist who could actually take a week or two off. Would it be the responsible thing to think, you know what, I'll be part of this social distancing and not do it? Or can they actually physically take enough precautions and continue kind of massaging people, seven people a day, send them on their way? Can it be done? It's an individual decision that they have to come to based no, on no, their thoughts. What I would say, what I would say, I'm seeing in some sports massage and massage therapist groups some really proactive threads about how they can think outside the box to work online, whether it's self-help videos, whether it's telephone calls, and and some sort of capacity for them to do something away from it. And and if you think maybe, of that maybe as an opportunity, exercise their patients instead of rubbing them. Maybe exercise, yeah. But there's a potential for some of these, you know, not that anyone's here trying to profiteer, but we can really think outside the box here and people can really expand the way they practice and be really innovative and inventive with some of the stuff they do and, and potentially change the way they operate going forward. Absolutely. This is, a, this is the time, I think, for technology and, uh, say, telehealth and those sort of things to shine, to show that, you know, you can, you know, do what you do in different ways. And I think I say, it's an opportunity as well as a threat to businesses. So it's about being able to have that adaptability and flexibility that we so often try and tell patients to have. I think us uh, therapists are also going to have to have it as well and a bit of a resilience as well. But going back to that point, when do you close? It's a very tricky question to answer, Matt. And like I say, Mike said, I think it's an individual decision that they'll have to make based on their location and where they are. But, you know, you really want to try and time that, I think, at the peak of the, you know, the incidence of people becoming affected. So, again, I think, you know, I, I would probably say as much as I don't agree with what our leaders are doing is just follow, you know, your local government guidelines. Good stuff. Okay, then. Um, let's just have a little look at uh, some of the comments that people are leaving. Terry, it's always a pleasure to have you um, joining us. Let's bring what you said here. So Terry Vaughan, um, I was watching a top doctor on BBC News and the key message is personal responsibility. 
and the governments can do so much, it's up to the individual to be captain of their own ship and make good judgment calls. That advice, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and I know, Terry, you've got um, a mother who is compromised as well, um, so you're particularly interested in making sure everyone's doing their their best to save her, basically. That's what it's about. I think one of the biggest messages I've read, and we've already talked about it, and I apologise for going over it again, is the elderly and the immunocompromised are seriously in danger here. It's not a joke for them. Um, there are people dying. There are people who are already not being able to get services in other countries and are just dying. Simple as that. So we really, it's not about, yeah, you might get it and you might even not even know, know you've got it. I might have it now and it's not going to affect me. It's just going to be a cough and a cold for one sneezing and I'll get over it and be fine. But it's the chances of you actually leaving something on a banister or an escalator um, or on, on something that someone else is going to touch. And that person could then get it, scratch their face, and that's it. You could, in theory, be ending that person's life. And that sounds really dramatic. But that's kind of, I think, what people who are saying, oh, this is just all scaremongering, need to actually realise that people are already dying in other countries, and they have died, and the toll is raising. And the UK is is entering that now. And this is a time we can contain it, potentially, and not spread it and save our resources and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I hope some people can actually get that message through into their heads. Um, but anyway, more messages for clinicians. I think we've covered kind of should you open as a personal choice. Anything else, Michael, Adam, that you think people out there should know or contemplate? So I, I think in this uh, all this media about negative viruses, I think we should be trying to also spread some positive thought viruses as well. So I think that's something to try and uh, do. So, again, use social media to your advantage to try and think outside the box of ways, you know, when people are in isolation, that they can still maintain a healthy lifestyle. They can still exercise. So I am going to be doing as of Monday, I'm going to be doing my little daily challenge of exercises, but I'm going to call it the COVID isolation exercises. And I'm just going to be posting some ideas of things that you can do in your own home uh, to still maintain uh, some physical activity, to still do some strength and conditioning, even though you can't go into a gymnasium. So it's thinking of things like that, I think, you know, as healthcare professionals, we could be doing to just try and have a little bit of positivity around, obviously, all this negativity that this virus is causing. Good points, very good points. Yeah. And Mike, yourself? Yeah, well, I beat him to that this morning. I put a little you video did, up I saw, this morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in fairness, is an old one that I've rehashed, but, but I think that's a perfect sort of strategy for people to do things. The other thing I would mention, because it's it's been touched on by a lot of people, but not expanded on, if and when you start having gaps in your clinic diaries, if and when we're not in work seeing people, then... It's just a case of maximizing what you can do in that time. Upskilling, learning. How many of us in our practices and clinics have got things that we haven't got round to do in those everyday admin chores and those everyday things that we could now be forced to spend time trying to get things ready for when all of this passes and we get back to normal life. So, so think about the things that you've delayed, put off, thought about improving or changing things that you may have thought would be improvements for your clinical or business practice and now you've got the time to research and implement some of these or just go over things learn things you've forgotten revise and, and learn new things and and develop you so that you suck any positive you can out of it yeah absolutely it's a good word and there is a lot of positive we can get out of this personally and as a country i think in terms of i mean it was always going to happen this move towards online care and encouraging people not to go rushing to the gp or spending all their money and time and faith in somebody else you know kind of sorting out the problem when it's changes in these mental cells so hopefully we can get something positive out of this 
puts i mean i mean obviously i'm a fan like a sports injury fix but i've seen some extra great advice coming from um, your pages on social media and debate between clinicians so i do urge people to to go along there onto facebook in particular and have a look at what sports injury fix are actually saying about this there's a lot of advice there and like you say you're doing kind of calls as well aren't you either you or malcolm and tom and that so yeah it's a great source of information um adam as well has been putting some great videos out there um you and ben gonna touch on it i'd like to see a kind of smith and jones version of you two talking about it or is it gonna happen some great videos coming out especially for those as well what a great yeah, team. Uh, we haven't <laughs> we haven't yet with the better clinician project but you know uh, who knows we may do we may do yeah well i've said to see there's great stuff you two have got great chemistry it's wonderful to see really good stuff um any other resources which do you think guys people should be tapping into if they're worried i mean what's what pages do you think is putting out the best information if people are just overcome by too many links what where would you go for your updated versions of what people should be doing well i think the nhs as a as a page at the moment that i think is the one i have uh, probably directed most people to um again it's 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 just obviously local governmental advice it's uh you know it's coming from you know a central source so hopefully as you say they're going to be saying the, the right thing at the right time um just be careful as say of picking up information from any old source that's probably what i'll say is just if you do read anything and you see something and it worries you and concerns you just just try and scrutinize the source and make sure it's not fake news because i am seeing a lot of fake news i'm seeing you know karen the reiki healer talking about you know solving coronavirus with lavender scented oils and and fucking lavender. yeah no lavender and, and crystal rose quartz apparently that also gets really oh, they do everything well. but yeah. you know and then all the fucking faith healers healing all that sort of stuff so obviously that's an extreme example but there are still some posts out there with people uh putting out some pretty dubious information so again just don't take everything at face value. Go to, say, a reputable, sensible source like the NHS or a government website is probably what I'd say for most people. Do you, Mike? Is there anything you've found? Yeah. Is that kind of the same place to go to, so, yeah? So for the, for the up-to-date practical guidelines, exactly what Adam said, these people are pushing out the, the stuff we should be following from more of an overview, theoretical, um, Big picture view. There's there's a couple of people that I've shared on my social media over the last couple of days. There's a guy in the states called Howard Lux. Howard Lux, L-U-K-S. He's put out a really nice um, blog, which was written by a collective of doctors about the wider impact and how we're thinking about this this pandemic. And then um, I forget the guy's surname is Adam, who's an intensive care specialist in Australia. I shared something he did called "If I Have a Bed." Oh, which, is, which is a absolutely fantastic narrative supporting what Adam kicked off right at the start about the wider implications on people who aren't necessarily suffering with coronavirus if the healthcare system gets flooded. Yeah, I think it's important as well because people, I mean, we live in a society where you do trust Amazon ratings and IMDb reviews and Rotten Tomatoes. So people are very trusting in what other people say rather than the government and any kind of official organization but i think now's the time to be very careful about what is spread in forums um all the kind of logical fallacies people will say or oh, according to a study i've just read this and this and this that's not evidence that's not a study it's someone saying that they've read a study even if they post it so people have got there's a lot of people who are doing who think they're helping out there and and trying to back up their stuff with evidence and they're not doing it out of malice or anything it's just now's the time to really watch out and not run down any rabbit holes thinking just because someone's used a kind of a particular study you've got to be very careful 
like Adam and, and uh, Mike have said, yeah, go to the NHS pretty much. You can't, we can't do much better than that. Maybe look for a medical source rather than a government source because they do differ a little bit sometimes. Um, well, I think, I think as well, Mark, this is, this is probably the most relevant time in the last few years or if ever possibly in healthcare where the people that you should trust are the ones who go in, I or we don't know. If you're reading or following someone who swear blinds about something that is or isn't going to happen, you need to run a mile. There's there's Adam's bullshit detector going going mental on that one. You, if people are saying, I or we don't know, but, and you can read both sides of different people's arguments and form your own opinion, that's what we really should be doing now. That Those are the people, and the people with professors in front of their name, the people with epidemiologists and, and public health qualifications, they're saying, we don't know. It's all measures and hypothesis and models, and, and we just don't know. So, as I said, we said earlier, I'd, I'd rather act a certain way and be wrong than than be blasé and keep calm, carry on and miss miss it. And we don't know where that could end up. Exactly. And if all this fails and people watching this should just follow you guys because you're both putting out great information, that'll nail it. Let's have a little look at just some comments before we close out. Uh, Daniel Gerber, who's also putting out some great information. I can't wait to get Daniel on the on the podcast, um, but he's still waiting for some things to happen. But Daniel's recently, I've followed Daniel for a long time um, and he's putting out some great information, but Daniel's come up with something he's doing here. Uh, positive, I'm posting a form through neighbor's doors with my details on to contact me if they need anything. Um, this will only work if everyone does it as we will all be ill at some time of personal sports injury fix and you as well. So there are proactive things you can be doing to help people, um, especially if you know you're giving a good message out there. Um, Kieran, what's Kieran asked? Have a look at this, Kieran. Thanks for joining us. Um, is there a setup with the government for self-employed individuals to help those financially that need it if they self-isolate? That's an interesting one. I know that government's giving kind of like delays on VAT for companies who are having to close and restaurants and stuff. Self-employed haven't really got it quite so well laid out, have they? The only Not thing I've read, the only thing I've read which I'm confident on is if you are asked to self-isolate or diagnosed with something, and I think statutory sick pay kicks in day one, not day eight, I believe. Uh, but right. again, you know, people should look at the relevant sources to, to confirm that. Um, I've not delved into much more than the surface level I've read on that. Okay, so if that helps, Kieran, again, look at the, yeah, look at the reputable sources for that. It is a big problem. We're not downplaying the effect it can have on people's finances especially for self-employed uh, dan reese morgan thanks for joining us let's have a look at your little question here hey guys you've spoke about telehealth services have you got a rec any recommendations for best available software i.e skype zoom etc any preferences skype you works well, yeah, I, well for me most of the time yeah i use skype there's one-to-one -one, there's zoom there's loads of other ones available they all work similar fundamentally think of your patient population and what they will find easiest to use if you work with an elderly population you may go old school and just do a phone call you don't want anything that complicates the system anymore in a time where simplicity will rule for how this can be implemented so but most of the face-to-face -face software all work very similar it's just picking your flavor and, and running with it and i imagine this comments i think i've seen conversations of sports injury fix about it anyway so again there will be forms about this down where you can have a look at this, what works for you and don't overcomplicate it. I um, mean, you shouldn't have to pay a fortune either for these things. They're all becoming very available. And we'll finish up on Terry because Terry's a fantastic chap. Terry has basically given his last piece of advice. I know his mother um, 
suffers with cancer and he said for people who've got loved ones who've got cancer the best source of information are cancer research and uh myeloma uk to seek advice so yeah so obviously if it's a particular condition then seek the again the governmental organization we're looking after that thanks terry thanks for joining us as always and um i hope your mum's okay and and you are in good health as well right i know you guys have got things to do and places to be so i think we'll wrap it up there um thank you so much adam for joining us um you're off now aren't you to look after your mum yeah, yeah go i'm gonna go and check on the uh, go and check on the folks make sure they've got everything set up for the next few weeks as well so i'm just going to do that bit and uh, keep an eye on your your family and your loved ones as best as you can do yeah, yeah. That probably come as a shock to some people that Adam has actually got parents. He wasn't born this way. He was I actually a, a baby. Heart. <laughs> he has a heart. <laughs> um, yeah, it's lovely to hear. Oh, dust in my eye. And Mike, what are you up to now? Uh, uncage the kids. I've had the kids caged in the kitchen oh, while we've yeah. been on. I'll have to uncage them. Uh, but very similar to everyone else. It's, you know, uh, trying to stay healthy, trying to stay well myself, but looking out for others at the same time. Okay. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Give me your free time. Obviously, people are put in the comments where people can contact you if they have got any further questions. Um, but yeah, um, hope you both stay well and families and friends and everyone around you. And uh, thanks for joining us. I'm going to send you down to the lobby now. All right, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Right, there we go. So yeah, thanks so much for having me, Kins. It was a real last minute thing, thought of about nine o'clock this morning, just because I felt it would be a good idea to get some information out there. Um, hopefully you've uh, heard some useful stuff. Feel free to share this, obviously. If you've got any other questions, um, I will create this into a podcast. I'll put the audio up. I'll put it on YouTube so you can still ask questions and myself or Mike or Adam about to see and will come in and give you advice to other people. So even if you're watching the replay, feel free to leave comments. Um, that's it. I hope this has been helpful to you. Um, stay safe. The message, basically, be socially aware. Distance yourself as much as you can, potentially, without causing yourself too much um kind of like hard times but i mean if it's something like a park run and you could go out for one by yourself then why not that's what i thought um but anyway yeah stay safe and think particularly about elderly and the immunocompromised and um, they do need your help at this time everyone over the country needs your help be socially responsible right that's it uh, matt phillips signing off on chat live helping put the evidence back into running injury and performance and in this case coronavirus which is you're listening to Run Chat Live podcast, putting the evidence back into running injury and performance.